Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from custom carts to cataclysmic combats. And today, we're covering Cambions. Hey, Brian. Cambions. Cambions. Right. <laughs> You're very excited about Cambions, I can tell. Uh, can you tell me what a Cambion is, Brian? It's a hell monster. It is a hell monster. This is actually hell. true. This, Or it's partially true. So in Dungeons & Dragons, Cambions are beings that, generally speaking, are noted to be half humanoid and half fiend. I say generally speaking due to the fact that the definition of what is or isn't a Cambion has been in flux since about first edition. So stop me if you've heard this story before, but things were one way from first edition until third edition. And it was a bit needlessly complicated, but it worked and everyone agreed that it was fine. Okay. <laughs> and everything was good. And everything was okay. Uh, <laughs> then, then fourth edition showed up and it said, no, now it's the complete opposite of everything that you've known before. Pull the handbrake. <laughs> Indeed. Stop and the honestly, fucking car. Honestly, this was kind of cooler, but it made a lot of people upset. So <laughs> when 5th edition came out, Wizards decided we should just have it both ways, and uh, it, but also way more streamlined. And now we do. It is both ways, but also more streamlined. The beginning of this episode sounds like the beginning of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It does. Well, it also sounds like the beginning of every episode where I talk about something with a lot of lore. I'm like, yeah, it was one way for three editions. 4th edition flipped everyone the bird, but some people were really... <laughs> really into it others really hated it fifth edition is like why don't why can't we all just get along yeah if you pick up a fourth edition book before you pick up anything else and it 
like there's a lot of stuff that is cool from fourth edition. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's different from early. Yeah. It's totally, you're totally right. So as is the story for many things we talk about on the show. So it is for cambions. Okay. So there are essentially two lore splits that define a cambion. Uh, the first is demon versus devil. So originally a cambion was very specifically a half demon born from the union between a female humanoid and a demon of any level, be it quasit to all the way up to demon Lord. Okay. Um, the humanoid part didn't really matter for the most part, with the exception of drow and orcs, which we'll touch on a bit later in the episode. By okay. a bit later, I mean the end. Um, but for the most part... <laughs> as later as it could as be. As later as possible. But for the most part, a cambion was uh, very often half human was like the default. Okay. So you have half anything. Yeah. Right? Half any demon versus half any humanoid is like the technical rule. In the early days. But it was usually half human, half whatever intermediate level devil. Okay. Demon. Sorry. Cool. cool. Uh, the appearance and ability of these cameons was heavily dependent on the paternal demon's nature. Mm. So, like, uh, a half Glabrazu probably doesn't look the same as a half Quasit. So, okay. Is what sure. it is. Later on in 4E, cameons were reintroduced as specifically half devil. So, the complete opposite. Um, again, the humanoid part was not very important for these cameons either. The major difference in devilish cambions versus demonic cambions was not only their lawful versus chaotic nature, but in the uniformity in their appearance and ability sets. Uh, the devilish cambions are extremely uniform compared to the demonic ones. So uh, devilish cambions tend to have a classic asmodeousness to their physical appearance. You know, red skin, beautiful facial features, horns, tails, wings, red eyes, yada, yada. They're strong, intelligent, charismatic, and have a natural affinity for hellfire magic. Essentially, they're super tieflings. Okay. Souped up mega tieflings. Okay. Um, so that's the first split in like what a cambion is. The second split in a cambion's definition is male versus female. So originally cambions could only be male and were exclusive to a coupling between a female humanoid and a male demon. This version of the cambion had a female counterpart, though, known as an demon or an fiend. So fiends are always female and can only be born from the coupling between a male humanoid and a succubus. I will remind you that until 4E, succubi were considered to be strictly demonic in nature. But much like the story of the cambion, 4E <laughs> said, fuck that, now they're devils. That's and a devil. was like, wait, they can just be whatever you want. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> That's such a weird <laughs> 5e, man. Yeah. 5e is your cool parent that like lets it you is. That they know it's you're smoking true. weed and stuff and they don't care. It's yes, exactly. Okay. So now in 5th edition the name Cambion has become an umbrella term for most things that are half fiend. All right. Male, female, demonic, devilish, succubus, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh any of these combinations is considered to be a Cambion. So now that we've covered the different types of cambions there are, let's actually talk about each of them, starting with the original cambion. The OG. Indeed. Take me down to the OG. <laughs> I'll do my best. So the original D&D cambion is a being born from the coupling of a female humanoid and a demon. The offspring is always male and the mother always dies giving birth to her child. That stinks. Yeah, we're already starting with a rough life. This stinks. Indeed. The general characteristics and abilities of a cambion depend on its parentage. A lesser or greater Tanari fathers a major cambion, while a demon lord will father what's called a baron or a marquee cambion. Okay. The marquee cambion. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, regardless, all cambions are ugly and terrifying creatures to behold. Though they are humanoid, they are marred by many various demonic qualities, such as scaly skin of pitch black, crooked needle-like teeth, horns, glowing eyes, bat wings, a fetid odor, misshapen ears or misshapen faces, etc. Out of all those things, the fetid odor yeah, sounds... Or they smell bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they just 
actually physically smell horrible. <laughs> right. God. Furthermore, all cambions have a rather have rather imposing figures, standing anywhere between six and a half to seven feet tall, with strong muscular builds. Mm. With the mother's never surviving childbirth, cambions are very often orphaned either on the material plane or deep inside the abyss. <clears throat> In either location, though, they're never accepted by society. So the mortals, yeah, because you got the, one of these freaky attributes. You're a, you're a monster, right? The mortals of the material plane view cambions as evil monsters, and often they're pretty correct. Yeah, um, to be shunned or killed. Demons, on the other hand, look down upon these lesser half demons as weaklings, usually abusing, torturing, killing, or devouring the child. Man, um, as such, those who do manage to live to adulthood grow into bitter and twisted loners. Um, right. So these are rare. Yeah. Extraordinarily rare. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's that. At yeah. least there's that. Uh, they dwell in places that tolerate their presence and ask them few questions, eking out an existence on the powers granted to them by their genetics. Okay. Uh, many make exceptional assassins and thieves. Okay. So they're <clears throat> rogue monsters. Yeah, kind of. They're kind of like rogue monsters. Um, some cambions, <clears throat> privileged enough to be fathered by a powerful demon or demon lord, have the opportunity to prove their worth to their fathers. Ooh. So such cambions are usually far more gifted and powerful just inherently than Marquee their lesser. Marquee Exactly. Um, those who are powerful, clever, or charismatic enough can win the favor of their father and become generals, ambassadors, or commanders in their parents' employ. Uh, the combination of their extenuating circumstances with their natural predisposition for power thirst makes cambions some of the most ambitious and determined of all creatures in the cosmos. Okay. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes... When given the opportunity, cambions make fantastic leaders, and they tend to find themselves at the center of great events. Hmm. Yeah. Like what? Well, I, I liken this to, like, the way that humans in the material plane, like, they have that, like, ambition factor. Yes. The humans have that it factor, and because of that, they're always at the center of shit happening. In okay, the yeah, I get that. Cambions are like that. Like They're be, staying busy, be, so Because they're gonna... their situation sucks so much, but they have so much potential— those who make it and don't die in early death are often like the most ambitious and capable. And thus they find themselves um, in positions of power or on some sort of quest that like is the center of some sort of great event. Okay. Survival of the fittest, cream of the crop sort of thing. Indeed. Okay. So Grazd is actually a notorious father of Cambions. He's fathered more than any other demon lord, and his progeny likely number in the hundreds. Boo, um, Grazd. <laughs> many serve him as a general in his army or ambassadors to his various cults. Um, some have risen to even greater power. Ayas the evil is the Cambion son of Grazd and the sorceress or wizard, I should say, Igwilv, who... That's a that's a name that's an important name, right? Yeah, we talked about her in the Grust episode. Okay. She will get her own episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ayas is the son of both of them, and through his own willpower and ability, he completely separate of his father and um, Igwilf managed to rise to the status of a demigod. He's a demigod of deceit, pain, oppression, and evil. Cool. Okay. And he might get his own episode. I'm not sure if he can carry it, but um, there's the potential. But before we move on, let's take a short rest. Okay. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where we're not talking about that last thing. We're talking about this sweet Good love. And it is episode 169, <laughs> but it's not that kind of love. It's the wholesome kind that me and Will <laughs> feel for people that experience the show. Thank you for experiencing the show. Indeed. We love you. Indeed. Say more than indeed, Will. You're, you're making <laughs> yes, one, we love you. You're Everyone making one of the it. repetitive counters that the people track about things we <laughs> say. Know, people like, are counting my deeds. I'm like, oh, man, you're in for a long count. There's a really <laughs> big inflation rate on indeed. Apparently. <laughs> you just you just spiked it right now. It's so true. <laughs> um, if you want to support the show even more than you're already doing, you're doing a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way is to tell somebody about the show. Uh, the next best way is Probably just to let that ad play. I don't know. Yeah, that's Hit the like I button. Suppose. Yeah. The little bell. I turned my little bell on. It changed everything. Oh, yeah. yeah and I'm absolutely. like, why isn't my SuperQuest Saga? I love watching our own SuperQuest Saga <laughs> premiere. I'm like, why isn't I have I been alerted? Right. Uh, if you are about the Dungeon Cast and you don't want to miss a YouTube alert, the only way to do that is to hit the little bell. It's true. Hit the bell. Fuck it. Please. Uh, or you could get on Patreon. That's like a direct... Like you get something, we get something. True. You could do that. There's lots of cool stuff at any level of Patreon. If you all just give us one dollar, that would be sick. And yeah, that'd be nice. You'll get like show notes and stuff. Yeah. And a shout out. And a shout out. And the ability to have a message read if you want. Yeah, on the show. We're we're gonna leave that uh patron exclusive thing. Um yeah, uh, check. You can find us on um, the dungeoncast at gmail.com if you just want to send a message into the show. If you're looking for uh, ad space, we have that available at all over all over the place. There's just they're just lying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we use them when they don't get used, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Um, so the 
The other thing that you can do is find us on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast. That uh, Will manages our Twitter account, and you can find me on Instagram. Just search the Dungeon Cast. Um, yeah, uh, we get lots of nice messages on those platforms too. Um, yes, we do. Lots of them. Sometimes we like tweets from Ari Salvatore and Greenwood <laughs> yeah. and people like that. Uh, so yeah. Uh, you can. Th- those are all the places you can come find us and check us out. Um, thank you for listening to the show. Let's get back to the show. Back to the show. We're back. Yes, we <laughs> are. Returned. Yes, we have. So last uh, before the short rest, we were talking about the original Cambions. So now let's talk about Alufines. So Alufines or Alu demons are essentially the female counterpart to the original Cambions. Mm. They are a product of successful procreation between a humanoid male and a succubus. Alufines are always female and unlike their male counterparts are not necessarily hideous to behold. Okay. So in fact, uh, it's quite the opposite as most Alufines have the appearance of attractive or beautiful human females. But still, there are some characteristics that give away their demonic nature if the Alufine does not take precautions to hide these features. So oftentimes, Alufines have a pair of diminutive uh, demon wings on their back. Okay. Now, diminutive is subjective. A lot of the images I saw were like uh, maybe wingspans that were like three or four feet in diameter. So not big enough to fly. Not usable. But really but there. big. <laughs> Not diminutive at all. You're going to go X-Men and try to cut those bad boys off. Right, exactly. I can see that. So uh, they have those to worry about. Mm, And um, also, uh, it's fairly common for Alufines to have needle-like teeth that they usually have to, like, do something to hide, whether that be, like, a disguise uh, self-spell or or some other uh, measure. They go to a really fancy, uh, like, top-of-the-line blacksmith and get, like, a grill. Yeah, I mean that's one option. It, I mean, it would it would work. Uh, I guess it would. Yeah, so uh, I suppose you get them filed down, but that sounds extremely painful. Yeah, uh, whatever. You're a you're a superhuman. Sounds yeah, like this is true. You have an extremely. Was the other one you have like an extremely hairy back? No, but like a lot. I mean, like real like thick thicket style hairy. Yeah, back. I could see that. No, that wasn't listed officially, but I could see that being your one feature. That's how you find out. You're like, whoa. Holy shit. That's a lot of... Wow. <laughs> so, as one would imagine, despite the differences in their appearance, Cambions and Alufines share um, a lot of commonalities. So, mainly in that they share the same space in society, like the same level oh, in the hierarchy. Like you could go you from anywhere that. from, like, creepy outcast to, like, super demon. Sure, yeah. So, while Alufines may find it easier to blend into human society than a Cambion, because Cambions are just... Very obviously a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, they are still feared, rejected, and oppressed in much the same way as their male brethren, if ever uncovered. Totally, yeah. So they still have to deal with that, just they're better at not having to deal with it. Okay. Um, on the abyssal side of things, Alufines are treated with disdain and disgust, seen as lower and weaker by all other demons. Mm-hmm. Again, much like their male counterparts, uh, those who manage to eke out an existence among demonkind do so out of sheer force of will and the honing and refining of their inherent fiendish powers. Okay. Um, which, speaking of which, I didn't write this in my notes, but I probably should have. Alufines are more gifted magically than Cambions. They usually have, like, an inherent telepathy skill, an inherent, like, ability to manipulate or even cast, like, mind-manipulating spells and stuff like that, charm person, all that, much like a succubus. You did mention the disguise self. I think that's probably a right. common common thing. Yeah. Does it bother anybody else that it only lasts an hour? I mean... What a wreck, dude. Yeah. That should be, a, like, an eight-hour thing. 
What is it, a level one spell? Yeah, I mean, I you, know. get, you get better ones later at higher level spells, slots. Oh, you do? You do, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, Alter Self, I think, is better than Disguise Oh, self, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then, of course, all the way up to True Polymorph, so. Mm. Where was I, though? So, oh, yeah. So, most value fiends are hateful and bitter to the extreme, and who can blame them with the brutal lot in life that they've been given? Sure. Um, though they do have some opportunity in the abyss to prove their worth and rise in power, few outside of the court of Malconthet, the queen of the Zuckubai, managed to do so. So, Alufiends, for the most part, have it better off than Cambions. Right, but generally it's still speaking, shitty. But still shitty. It but, can still break bad. Right. But the Cambions that are lucky enough to be born under, like, demon lords probably have more opportunity than your average Alufiend who are only born from Succubi. Mm. So, unless you're born from the only Succubi demon lord there is, Mal- Malconthet, you're probably shit out of luck. There's some long odds. You, yeah. You got, uh, so, so you're safer as an Alufiend. You get that middle ground. Right. You get a lot of wiggle room there. Right. But you have more potential as a Cambion. Yeah, technically, if we're speaking socially, yeah. yeah for the yeah, most part, yeah, you have yeah. more opportunity. Um, so one thing I want to add to Alufiends and Cambions before moving on to the more modern version is that Cambions are the bridge to the original Tieflings. So though Alufiends and Cambions... W- Alufiends and Cambions, when they mate with each other, they breed true, always producing uh, halfiends. Mm-hmm. Um, halfiends that pro- procreate with mortals always produce a tiefling. Okay. So from that point on, any descendants of this original tiefling have a chance to be a tiefling themselves. And thus every tiefling, if this is the lore that you choose to go with for your tieflings, can all trace their heritage back to a single Cambion or Alufiend at some point in time. Okay. So, yeah, we did talk about last episode, the tiefling and the Cambion did come up. Right. So we we're, you either have genetic tieflings or dark ritual tieflings. Right. And before the dark ritual tieflings, there was only genetic tieflings. So mm-hmm. this was just the way it worked. Like right. You had to be able to trace your lineage back to a Cambion or Alufiend somewhere. Which do you which do you prefer? I don't think we mentioned that. Like which tiefling oh, of the do, you, mm. do you like this one or the the curse? I like having them both. Um for me the the standard tiefling for fourth edition uh, I like it a lot, but not for the curse part. I like the whole devilish feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I okay. think that's more interesting than being part demon, the being part devil. and the, It's the whole lawful evil aspect. And really in your own campaign, me. you can, like, decide how much weight goes on the creation of tiefling right. anyway. And, exactly. And, like, what Pete, the society thinks about that, et cetera. Right, exactly. But, um, so I like the uniformity of the look, and I like the hellfire feel and uh, the lawful evilness. But that that's just a personal thing, and that's a very narrow, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a viewpoint? It's like a very a specific style of rolling a tiefling, and it's, like, it's very limiting. Like, so I understand the people who want, like, a more widespread ability to do all these different types of tieflings. It's cooler that way. Okay. But, yeah, so that's my opinion there. So, where was I? Oh, yeah. So after 3rd edition, Cambion switched over to fall within the realm of devils. Uh, the main changes here, besides the keyword in their stat block, were appearance and social standing. Mm-hmm. So as I said earlier in the episode, devil-based Cambions have a more uniform aesthetic than their demonic counterparts. Uh, they essentially look like more exaggerated versions of devilish tieflings, red skin, horns, teeth, tails, glowing eyes, etc. Okay. Uh, but the bigger difference is how they are treated in their fiendish society. So devilish cambions are, they're not treated well by any normal standard, but the society of Beator does not reject them either. In many ways, it welcomes cambions, giving them a place and purpose amongst the armies of hell. Okay. Uh, many service soldiers, envoys, envoys, or even attendants to greater devils. 
Um, the lawful nature of devil kind makes their society a bit of a meritocracy, which though much of the time it's an extremely brutal way of life, it's most often a much better lot than a Cambion would be given anywhere else in the cosmos. Highly survivable. Very much more survivable, as long as like you're not completely useless to them or whatever. Yeah. Or they don't see you that way, then you probably have some sort of like slot in society you can fit yourself in and you're technically safe. There's a public park in Beator with like six teenage Cambions <laughs> hanging out, right. like doing bad things like smoking cigarettes and like of course nobody cares because it's hell yeah yeah, just like whatever they're expected to do that yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so now in fifth edition cambions can be whatever you want them to be uh demon or devil male or female is your choice and honestly i feel like it works Uh, you don't really lose any of the old lore and i think both sets of lore are able to exist to like coexist without actually interfering with each other right so you have like cambion flavor basically like you make because they're all they all sound like unique looking creatures it sounds for more the like most part. With the, is, the devilish ones are more uniform. The 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 tag cambion is more of like a process to make a creature. Yeah, like. a cambion is essentially just a half fiend. That's all it is. It's a half fiend, half human. It can look like whatever. Exactly. It, you get like a random table to roll off of, right? No, no, that was the no. that was the tiefling from the last yeah, episode. No, it just generally just you would base it off parentage. So right. So whatever. most of the time these are gonna be these are almost always gonna be monsters. So it's mm-hmm. just gonna be up to the to the dungeon master. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned how the type of humanoid involved in the creation of Cambion didn't really matter for the most part. Well, that's true in all cases except for drow and orcs. So when a person that is a member of either of these races procreates with a fiend, a unique species of half fiend is born. So let's get into it. Okay. We're going to start off. We're going to first let's talk about Dragloths. I think that's how you pronounce it. Dragloths. Is it D R A G O L O F? D R A D R A E G L O T H S. What you said, Drake. Yes. Yeah, I'll go with that. So these are monstrosities born from the union of a drow, usually a high priestess of Lolth, and a demon called a Glabrazoo. These humanoid demons stand roughly eight feet tall. They have four arms, uh, large claws on their upper arms, and humanoid hands on their lower arms. Oh, okay. Um, their faces are stretched to resemble almost those like a dog or a wolf, and their skin is black and covered with a fine coat of white fur, and they have a yellow, whitish mane of hair on their head. Kind of Ooh, going down their wow, yeah. okay. They actually look really wicked badass, but scary. I'm evil Machamp. Evil Machamp, it's so true. They're <laughs> demon Machamp. Watch out um, for this pile driver. <laughs> Watch a, out for this karate chop. So, Dregloths are sacred in Loth-worshipping drow society and are made both purposefully and regularly under the guidance of the Spider Queen and her clergy. So, oh, okay. uh, Dregloths are probably, in some ways, way more common than your regular Cambion because the drow are making They're those. manufacturing them as super soldiers. Exactly, yes. they got so. four arms and they'll stab you. <laughs> So their place in society, both amongst the drow and Loth's forces, are essentially muscle. Dragoleths are ferocious and powerful monsters with relatively high intelligence and are a powerful weapon in Loth's arsenal. What's the charisma like on those bad boys? Um, I don't remember being too particularly strong. I don't remember. I didn't pull up. Their, I don't have their sepulch on me right now. Yeah, they're probably they sound more like weapons than like right. agents of chaos. Yeah, in I that in that so, sort yeah. of manipulative way. But um, I think it's always an interesting reminder that Loth, despite being so tied up in elves, she's extremely tied up in demons, too, because she lives in the abyss. She's doing both, man. She's She's riding that line. She's doing all kinds of weird science, and she's just a crazy spider person. She is. That that is very true. So moving on. The Web of Lies and the the Dragoloth? Dragloth? Dragloth. Dragloth. They probably have like a warehouse where they're making these bad Yeah, absolutely. Just pumping them out. It's a nasty warehouse. (laughs) So next, let's talk about Tanarux. 
So Tanaroks are the product of breeding between an orc and a demon, although they can also be created by demonic blood rituals as well, where they just like sacrifice a dude. Oh, and, and like, say a, the like right a rune words. circle or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like one just appears. Yeah, where the other guy was. Yeah, yeah. like they do. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, what's that? What's that fucking show? They do the transmutation. God, um, full, full metal, metal alchemist. Yeah, it's full metal alchemist style. Like slap their hands on the fucking circle. Yeah, sure, exactly okay. like that. So <laughs> <laughs> they are depicted as enormous, stocky orcs with bristling hair, horns, and ridges along the sides of their heads, their backs, their arms, and their legs. They're just big, spiny, meaty orcs okay. that are nine feet fucking tall. Um, very big. Tanaroks also have a distinctive smell of brimstone about them. Uh, these half-fiends are actually closely tied to the demon lord Baphomet, whom we know from the Baphomet episode is a master of breeding new and horrific monsters. Nice. So he's super into this. He's like, ooh, they're doing the transmutation oh, ritual. We're going to make another one. Yeah. <laughs> and we put the spines here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it works. And time stops. Your your orc gets transported to Baphomet's lair, and he, he does some reconstructive surgery on yeah. its back. Yeah. I could see also Baphomet just being bored with this one. Oh, that one's so tame. We should, we should come up with a 2.0 version of that one. You need to stretch the legs out more. <laughs> Nine feet tall. <laughs> so, um, where was I? <laughs> Tanarucks are volatile, murderous, and bloodthirsty beings of rage and hatred. <laughs> yep. That all tracks. <laughs> yeah. Tanarucks that are part of an orcish tribe are usually kept in check by the tribe at all times for fear of causing wanton destruction or even attempting to take over the tribe from the war chief. That would be a fun uh, little pack of orcs to roll up on. Oh, one yeah, that definitely. like successfully took over the tribe. Oh yeah, and Tanaroks that who do manage to conquer the tribe usually lead their people on a permanent warpath that only ends when either the Tanarok is slain or the tribe is defeated and decimated. This is like Shaun of the Dead. When uh, spoilers for Shaun of the Dead, dear God, that movie's old. <laughs> I love that movie. It is very good, but at the end, when the best friend is a zombie and he's like keeps him in the shed. Oh and goes, yeah, yeah. He's still going out there playing PlayStation with him. <laughs> yeah, because like, the muscle memory still there. Yeah, he yeah. goes to bite him and he like slaps the hand yeah. away. He's like, you know better than that. I remember that. Yeah, yes. that, that's what it is. That's what's going on in the orc tribe is they're like, yeah, Billy hasn't been the same since the ritual, <laughs> but we keep him around and he's really good in the combat. Right, right. We just kind of, <laughs> we sit up on our hill and when we see travelers come to try to loot us, we roll him down. Yeah, you know, he'll he take just, care of it. Yep. He just, good old Billy. Just stay knees tucked, Billy. Remember, <laughs> you're going to roll down that hill. All right. So any questions about Tanarex, Dragolos, or Cambions before we get into the Cambion stat block from the Monster Manual? Uh, I've never heard of the, like, how are you using these in your orc rollout? Are you, do you have one like just randomly as an extra um, or is this more of like a plot hook thing? Yeah, you I think could it could be it. either. Like could use this as breadcrumbs like, for it something could be bigger. Just a random encounter where it's like, yeah, there's orcs that roam these plains and oh shit, this group has a Tanarok. This shit's getting real. Yeah. Um, and then that's just that there's no storyline, but, or you could have like, something's wrong with the orcs in this area. They become way more volatile than normal. They used to be like semi peaceful. Like we could talk and trade with them, but now they're on the war path and that's a whole campaign. Right on. Yeah. They're, so. they're, they're unleashing their Tanarok, like uh, the dude from 300. They, they let that really big guy go, and yes. he's, like, taking knives to the bicep and exactly, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Okay, so, yeah, let's, yeah, get the, let's get into that. Let's get into the stat block. Um, if I remember, yeah, that's that's what I thought. So looking at this Cambion stat block, even though we talked about how in 5e your Cambion can be whatever you want, the one stat block you get for Cambions is really devilish. So you need to. Which is cool for me because I'm a big fan of it, but also it's like there should be a bit more general one. I mean, you can always, if you know devils and demons and how they're yeah, supposed to be Yeah, you reflavor it. No yeah. problem, yeah. And uh, let's get into it. It's actually, it's a 
beast of a stat block. Challenge rating five for a single one of these nice. motherfuckers. Uh, armor class nineteen. Oh, uh, natural. Points, uh, that's what scale mail. Okay. Um, but also they have a, a feature called fiendish blessing where the AC of the cambion includes its charisma bonus, Ooh. which is a plus three with sixteen charisma. So, so this that nineteen includes the charisma bonus yeah, already. Yeah, so it would be thirteen standard. Okay. Um, thirteen standard, sixteen with armor, nineteen with the bonus, the charisma bonus. You know what? Actually, the scale mill kind of holds this uh, creature back because they have a plus four to dexterity. So that's a plus seven. So that's seventeen natural. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. And if you put I don't know, studded leather, I guess that's nineteen again. Okay. So either way, um, Camion's a beast. <laughs> uh, plus seven strength saving throw, plus six to con, plus five intelligence, plus six charisma. Um, they are wow. resistant to cold, fire, lightning, poison, and then bludgeon, piercing, and slashing of non magical attacks. So that's a lot of resistances. This is a high level fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think the Camion is designed to be a mob, but a very high level mob. Like if you're fighting a group of Camions, that's like five or six challenge rating five creatures. Well, this is like an opening up, like this is your Beator, like. Front gate man right. or whatever. Yeah, or like a cambion leading like a bunch of like spine devils into battle. Or if which, you accidentally go through that public park in Beator and you see those teenagers. Exactly. That's five what, of these motherfuckers. Of yes. So uh, the next feature they get is innate spell casting. Um, it's based off charisma. Their spell saves a DC 14 and they can innately cast the following spells. Alter self, command, detect magic, and plane shift. Mm. So Wow, okay. Nothing super combat oriented except for maybe command, but useful stuff. Oh, this sounds like a punchy, slashy monster. Yes, and let's get into it. So the Camion gets a multi-attack. The Camion makes two melee attacks um, with its spear. So the spear is plus seven to hit, reach five feet. Um, It can also throw the spear at a range of 20 to 60 feet. And it's a D6 plus four piercing damage or a D8 plus four piercing damage if used with two hands. And it also deals an additional 1D6 fire damage. So they have a flaming spear. That's cool. Uh, And they can make two of those attacks. Um, and they also get a fire ray attack and with their multi-attack, they can actually use fire ray twice instead of their spear. What's fire ray? So fire ray is a ranged spell attack. It's plus seven to hit range 120 feet and does 3d6 fire damage. So two of those. So that's 66 fire damage. Yeah. And then the last thing that they get is an ability called fiendish charm. So one humanoid the cambion can see within 30 feet of it must succeed a DC 14 wisdom saving throw or be magically charmed for one day. Oh, God, that's so long. The charm target obeys the cambion's spoken commands. If the target suffers any harm from the cambion or another creature or receives a suicidal command from the cambion, the target can repeat the saving throw, ending the effect on itself on a success. If a target saving throw is successful or if the effect ends, the creature is now immune to the cambion's fiendish charm. For the next 24 hours. So a suicidal command could be the end for someone to do that. Yeah. All you got to do is fail that one. You get one yeah. more die it's roll. Like, oh, that's I guess I suicided. Yeah. Uh, do you go into if you are a PC and you fail that last saving mm-hmm. throw to give yourself the sword stab in the gut or whatever. Yeah. Are you going to death saves? I would say if if it were involving like PC death, you have to quantify all the damage for it to like feel and be fair. Um, there's this thing with D and D where it's like, do, if I stab myself in the throat, do right. I just subtract 10 damage? You would probably, <laughs> or am I I, think are my lungs filling would, up with blood? Uh, this is off the top of my head, but I think the way you would have to do it is you would have to roll an attack roll and treat it like a coup de gras where basically any hit is auto crit. If you're helpless and you're helpless cause you're doing it to yourself. Okay. You know what I mean? So you would auto crit yourself. Does that make sense? 
it makes sense in mechanics. Right. But like, I think you could hand wave that and role play. Sure, you can. But like, if you really want to do do yourself in, you're, you're not going to hit yourself in the armor. But in this case, the player doesn't want to do themselves in. They're being forced to. So you need to have set rules so like they have a chance of getting the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? Unless you're playing very brutally. I mean, if it's a saving throw, right? Yeah, but this but, is but this is a this, this isn't the old school editions where like you have your save or die thing. Like the reason that the game has moved away from that is because of how brutal it is and unforgiving it is to players. It's like so for me personally, the way I would run it is uh, you would have the saving throw, and then I would have these rules so we have quantifiable damage. You're still probably going to die, but like there's a slim chance that maybe you don't do enough damage or maybe something happens. And now we're in saving throws, death saves, and maybe you succeed those. Let's but. run like a worst case scenario, right? Yeah, because like I could easily be like, I'm a barbarian and I stab myself and it right. doesn't fucking matter. And right. I go into a rage because I took damage and I'm out of it. And now I'm killing this cambion. Uh-huh. I could just be a wizard and I do a crit to myself. Uh-huh. And now I'm at like three quarters down HP or right. whatever. Well, I would say the worst case scenario is like I'm a paladin and I've now been commanded to smite myself. <laughs> so I'm going to do so much fucking damage that I will insta die with a crit. Like, Activate your reckless. That's the worst case scenario. Activate your reckless attack <laughs> right now. Exactly. Which is why I say have the rules because in that scenario, even though it's extremely slim chance for them to live, at least it exists. Because yeah. Yeah, maybe they crit, but maybe they roll like shit and then they don't die and then saving throws. You know what I mean? This thing could also just be like smite yourself and then punch you in the face. Yes. Like right Yeah, after. there's always that Like too, you're yes. going to, this is a bad spot for you. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you better not get into that. If yeah. you, like, Either way, it's a very powerful creature, and it's an interesting one, especially if you're dealing with devilish stuff. This could kill unsuspecting party members easily. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. All that weird mind control stuff can. Okay. With that being said, I think we can get ready for a long rest. I think we should. So before we go, let's talk about Super Quest Saga. Yes. Brian, why don't you tell our audience about the show? Space, but with dice. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to put it, I suppose. <laughs> um, 5e, 5e rules. Yeah. Uh, Will homebrews a world. Magical space world. I do it again. In which time displaced travelers and others are existing in the cosmos. And there's really fucking cool giant dragons that are made with cybernetics. It's true. Those are all true things he said. And they fucking space battle. It's, it's, it's so yes, sick. It is. Um, there are elves. But, but they're, they're not, than they're not like your normal elves. Yeah. They're not like other elves. Not like <laughs> other girls. It's so true. Uh, and I'm, uh, well, yeah. I, I play in the game. So does Jake and Josh. Jake uh-huh. and Josh. But your special guest, Jake, friend of the show, Josh Freeland. Yes. Uh, they are. They're excellent role players. And right. they're a pleasure to have at the table. It's an honor. To and if watch them do spells. It's true. And if you're interested in the show, there's a link in the description. You can find it on YouTube or you can find it on any podcast app that you that's out there. Just look up Super Quest Saga. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, we're doing music and sound effects for it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, there's shirts and hats. and Oh, yeah. We have merch mugs. for both shows. And you can check out our They're Teespring all, account. All at the same place. Yeah. Indeed. The link's in the description. And also the stores below this YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. Yes, that's right. Um, if you are interested in showing your friends what Dungeons and Dragons is and you're having trouble getting them to explaining it to them, we have a really cool series. It's like four videos. It's called DD5. Where oh, yeah. In five-ish minutes, we explain the, the very basics. Yeah. So we have, uh, I think our longest video is like six minutes, but the description is more like five minutes. Right. Anyway, there's <laughs> there's a, what is D&D? What is character creation? What is combat? Mm-hmm. What is spell casting? Yep. And those are really good basics to just kind of throw somebody, get them, get them kind of familiarized in five minutes. Right. Um, they're pretty popular videos, but 
we made them so we could help people get into Dungeons and Dragons. Right. The the whole idea of our show is to make the game more accessible and consumable. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can learn about Cambions while you drive instead of having to stop and look up in the in monster the manual yeah, and so like true. go and dig through lore. Will's <laughs> doing all that for you and hopefully we're making a good a good product for you guys to learn. Shout out to Wizards of the Coast for making all this cool stuff for us sure. to experience. I know we have our gripes with some of their decision making oh, and stuff. Like but and they're yeah. not special. I give everyone shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> you hear that Wizards? You're not special. Uh, but we, we really do appreciate all the things that make this show possible uh, and that definitely includes you guys listening. Um, please tell somebody about the show if you think they'll like it. If they don't know what Dungeons and Dragons is and you want to get them into it, that's a great segue. Uh, that being said, I think we should call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.